Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, welcome back to Masterclass Theology. As always, I'm Big Rev, and we have a special treat today. I've got a friend here that I got to meet at my church and have been journeying with him. And he's just, a, he's just an awesome, awesome dude. He's, and he will, he'll tell you more about himself in a moment. I, I believe he's a Bible college student. He'll tell you all about himself. His name is Joe. And it's an honor to be with you here today, Joe. Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate the opportunity and, uh, and everything. So. Awesome. So it says that Joe is going to lead us today in a biblical discussion on a character of his choosing and, and I, I know who that character is because he told me about it, but you will know shortly. And uh, but before we get into this, let me, um, let me open us up with a word of prayer. And then I'll ask, ask a couple of questions about our journey today to Joe. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And I'm so, so we're so thankful, God, that you care for us and, and you, you bring people into our lives that are a blessing and that help us to uh, have good conversations with each other and to really process life and to really uh, consider your word, Lord, and to, to apply it to our lives. And, and I hear a masterclass theology, Lord, that's what we're all about. And I'm just so grateful to have Joe with me today. And I just pray that the conversation he leads us through will be glorifying to you and be edifying to, to our listeners. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Joe. So my first question for you, everyone who travels with me on the on this program has a special nickname they call themselves. And so I, what, what nickname do you want us to refer you to by? Yeah, I think, I think for my nickname, I'll go with, uh, with the kangaroo here. Um, kangaroo. Yeah, the kangaroo. So, uh, a lot of my, my friends back home and, and some of my family call me Joey. Um, I usually go by Joe now, but they call me Joey. And, uh, if you don't know, Joey is a term for a baby kangaroo. And so uh, yes. that's kind of where that comes from. That, that is that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, on one sense, it's kind of corny, but on another sense, it's profound. Yeah. You, you, you rock it, man. That, all right. So the kangaroo. All right. Well, Joe, we're, we're so I realize that you know, we, we maybe call each other by our, our first names here sometimes. And so my name is Joel. His name is Joe. So two different biblical characters there. Um, mm-hmm. That's the first question, Joe. The second question is, where are you going to lead us today? What biblical character are we going to are we going to study? Yeah, so speaking of my name, I, I thought for today we'd go with Joseph from Genesis. Um, I have a few, I guess, personal connections with him just because, of course, we have the same name as Joseph. Mm. And uh, at the beginning of his story, um, he's introduced as being 17 years old. And that's exactly how old I was when I first read this story. So wow. that's sort of always something, you know, whenever I read the story again, I always think about that moment and how cool that was. All right. Well, we're going to call this episode of Masterclass Theology Joseph, and and we have the it would, be, it would be kind of like Joe if I was leading us through a Bible study on the biblical character Joel, the guy I was named after. Well, this is the mm-hmm. guy you were named after, so this is nice. So so our study today is going to be through Joseph. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Joe Kangaroo, the floor is yours, my friend. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Joel. Um, I I think the best place to start. Uh, Joseph, like I just said, Joseph's story begins in um, chapter 37 of Genesis, but I I think it'd probably be best for us just to get a little bit of background about his family, because I mean, his story is is totally has to do with his family and his father and his brothers. So um, 
a little bit of background. Joseph's father is Jacob. Um, he's also called Israel. He's the person that, uh, you know, the nation and the people of Israel get their name from. Um, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, and he's the son of Isaac. So he's the third patriarch of Israel. Um, and something interesting about Jacob uh, that, you know, has been talked about before on this podcast is the fact that God chose him over his brother um, in terms of, um, you know, who would be the fulfillment of uh, God's promise um, to Abraham and um, who the nation of Israel would come from and all of that. So, um, Isaac, uh, Jacob's brother, or excuse me, Jacob's father, um, had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And um, this is a little theme we're going to see in this story. But uh, in Jacob's story, he has a rivalry with his brother Esau. Um, Genesis 25, 28 tells us that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebecca, Isaac's wife, loved Jacob. Um, and so there's a rivalry between these two brothers and Jacob basically manipulates Esau later in life to um, give him the birthright and uh, tricks his father Isaac into giving him uh, his blessing that he meant for Esau. And so um, after that, Jacob flees because uh, his brother wants to kill him after that. And um, he eventually he goes to his his uncle Laban. And that's kind of where our story starts. Um, he when he gets there, he falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. Um, and he ends up um, marrying another woman first. He gets tricked into marrying Leah. So that's sort of like karma, as it were, of uh, him tricking his brother. And he also has two concubines. And so this is where we're introduced uh, to um, Jacob's uh, 12 sons, uh, Joseph and his 11 brothers. So um, and this is, this is important to know just because of, uh, we're going to see later that Jacob favors Joseph and, um, this is going to kind of help to understand why. So as I said, uh, Jacob falls in love with Rachel. It's actually the first time in the Bible that it says a man loved a woman, like explicitly says that, um, which is, which is really interesting. Uh, uh, and it says it three times too. So anyways, um. So Jacob has two wives. He has Rachel, who he loves, and, and Leah, who he was kind of tricked into marrying and didn't really want to marry in the first place. And he starts having kids, and Leah gives him four kids. Uh, Rachel isn't able to bear at all at, at first. So Leah gives uh, Jacob four kids, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And then Rachel gets, you know, kind of, kind of envious. And because she can't bear children, she gives Jacob... Um, Bill Bilhah, which is uh, going to be the first of Jacob's concubines to sort of bear children on Rachel's behalf. And so Jacob gets two more sons, uh, Dan and Naphtali. And then Leah, she, you know, she can't bear children now. She's just had four. So um, she does the same thing and gives Jacob Zilpah, um, her maidservant. And then Jacob has uh, two more sons, Gad and Asher. And then after that, some time passes and Leah is able to have two more children. Um, Issachar, I always struggle with saying that one for some reason, and Zebulun. And then finally, um, 
you know, the wife that he loved, Rachel, she's finally able to have uh, a child. And this is Joseph. So Joseph is the first child that Rachel has. She ends up having a second child, Benjamin. Um, and as she's giving birth to Benjamin, she dies. So um, the, the, the woman that Jacob really loved only has two children with him, Joseph and Benjamin. And um, I think, I think he prefers Joseph more because uh, I, I, at least I would imagine that whenever he sees Benjamin, he, he kind of remembers that she died when she was given birth to him. So um, anyways, all that just to say that Jacob uh, favors Joseph, and this is, this is crucial to, to understanding the whole story, really. So um, we'll start the official Joseph story in Genesis uh, 37. So um, I'll, I'll start reading from verse one. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. J uh, Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy uh, with the sons of Bilhal and Zippah, uh, his, wife's, his father's wives. Again, those were the concubines. Um, Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So this is sort of the first thing we see um, Joseph doing that uh, explains why he's hated by his brothers. He, he brings bad reports of them to his uh, father. So um, I don't know if I'd call him like a snitch per se, but because we're going to see that his father sends him uh, to um, give these reports. But nevertheless, this is, this is one of the three reasons we're going to see that his brothers hate him. So uh, verse three, now Israel loved Joseph more than any, of, any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. And this, this robe of, of many colors is interesting. I'm going to say a little bit more on it later, but um, it's, it's interesting besides that it's just, you know, a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So second reason, not only does Joseph give bad reports of them to, uh, to their father, but they know, I mean, it's, it's obvious that Jacob prefer, prefers him over the other, you know, 11 sons. So um, verse five, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So this is the third reason that they hate him. And this is probably what really pushes them over the edge. Uh, he says, uh, Joseph said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my chief arose and stood upright. And behold, your chiefs gathered around it and bowed down to my chief. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then Joseph dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Um, there's, you know, there's debate whether Joseph, you know, if he was just naive telling them this and, and he didn't know quite what his dreams mean, uh, we'll see a little bit later that usually, um, there's somebody who has a dream and somebody else has to interpret it. Um, but uh, at the same time, these dreams seem pretty obvious what they mean. And he was 17. And, um, you know, judging by the fact that Joseph later interprets other people's dreams, 
I, I think that he, he, he knew what was going on and he's, you know, he might be sort of rubbing it in his, in his brother's face or something like that. So anyways, um, verse 12, now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem and Israel said to Joseph, are not your brother, brothers pastoring the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. Uh, and Joseph said to him, here I am. So he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. So here, uh, Jacob is sending Joseph to, to go, you know, give a report on, um, on what his brothers are doing. And uh, we'll go to 18. He gets there where they're at and his brothers see him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will have a fierce and then we will say a fierce animal has devoured him and we will say we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. Now, really quick, I just want to um, give a little bit of comment here. I think the reason Reuben is doing this isn't so much that he cares about Joseph. That could be, of course, the reason. But um, Reuben previously had. Uh, had slept with his uh, stepmother, Bill Hall. And so, you know, he basically lost his father's favor after that. Uh, and so I, I think this is sort of an attempt by him to, to perhaps gain his father's, you know, his father's love back, his father's favor by, you know, rescuing his, um, his father's favorite son. So um, anyways. There, there, 20... seems to be there seems to be drama there with Ruben. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, you know, there's, there's drama with all of these brothers and we're not going to look at everything, but, um, but yeah, we'll see definitely some, some changes in these brothers and things they do. So, um, verse 21, when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe and the robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. So really quick, um, everybody knows Joseph for having this robe of, of many colors, but there's actually two, two characters in the Bible that have this, this kind of robe. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so the first is Joseph, which everybody knows, but the second is Tamar, not the Tamar of Genesis, but the Tamar of 2 Samuel. And um, I think, you know, this is, to me, this seems to be sort of on purpose. Uh, both of these have these special, these special coats and both of them are, you know, abused uh, by siblings. You know, I won't, won't get into Tamar's story uh, just because that's a whole nother long thing, but um, one of her brothers really abuses her and um, oh, eventually- so this, is, this is David's daughter, Tamar. David's daughter, Tamar, yes. Oh, okay. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, and so- she yeah it's the same hebrew word in the esv they translate it um robe robe of long sleeves i think there but if you read the footnotes and you look in the hebrew it's the same exact uh you know word for the coat and that's the only two people in the bible who it says have it although tamar says it says it was common for the virgins to have it then but nevertheless it's the only two places it appears which which is interesting because they have sort of similar stories with their their siblings um abusing them essentially so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, verse 25, they sat down to eat 
And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh, and on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah, and this is important that it's Judah because he's a major character in the story. Judah said to his brothers, what profit is, is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our own flesh. Um, and the brothers listened to him. And so just keep this in the back of your mind. It was Judah's idea to sell him. And um, of course, they, you know, they, they, they hate Joseph. Uh, but instead of killing him, they, you know, in a sense, are kind of greedy. And they say, hey, let's get something out of this. You know, we'll get rid of him. And, and at least let's get some money, too, at the same time, instead of just killing him. Um, because later, Joseph's going to test them with greed. We're going to see that later in the story. Um, so... Then Midianite traders passed by and they drew up, they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. I know another character who was sold for uh, silver, given up for silver, but that's a lot later in the story. So anyways, uh, they took Joseph to Egypt. And so after this, basically Reuben just, you know, he, he comes back. It seems he wasn't there when this all happened and he sees Joseph isn't there and he, uh, you know, his plan to earn his father's favor back is essentially, you know, it's not going to work now because because Joseph's gone. And so they take Joseph's robe and they um, they kill a goat and they put blood on it and they bring it back to Jacob. And they essentially trick Jacob into thinking that uh, Joseph was was mauled by some sort of animal, um, which, you know, is is ironic. There's a lot of different ironies and and. Uh, these Genesis stories, but uh, here's one example where Jacob had tricked his father using, um, you know, an animal, animal skin to make him think he was Esau. Jacob had tricked his, his father, Isaac. And here Jacob is tricked by his sons, um, you know, using the blood of an animal to, to, to say that Joseph's dead. So um, ver, uh, chapter 38, I'm not going to read and talk about too much, but uh, and it's really, it's a really good short kind of story, but this is essentially a point where Judah, um, he, he kind of sees the person he, he is. He sort of uh, realizes that he's not that great of a person. Um, and this is sort of an important turning point in his, in his character. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that. I'd, I'd recommend to read chapter uh, 38. But it's, it's not super relevant to Joseph's story, except that it's, it's sort of a, a point, an important point in Judah's story, which is going to um, be relevant later on. And so it anyway, it, Joe, it ironically has the other Tamar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why I said, because there, there's two Tamars. I remember when I was in Pentateuch, my Pentateuch class, I was getting so confused because I was getting the two people mixed up and I was wondering why. And it's because they have the same name. Well, Joe, that, that's actually a great transition point. Just remind our listeners real quick or help us understand, uh, are, are, well, you mentioned a class. Are, are, you mm -hmm. a, are you a student or how, uh, help us understand that? Yeah, so I'm in my second year um, of studying biblical and theological studies. Um, well, I guess it's, it's technically my first year studying it just because the first year I was, my freshman year of college, I was studying accounting, but um, I felt God calling me to to change majors. I actually prayed about it before I did it. And uh, kind of out of nowhere, one of my professors thought that I should change my major and, and go into the pastorate. And so that was like, wow, like, cause I, I had just prayed, prayed for, you know, some sort of sign or confirmation or something. And days later that happened. So 
Um, so you are a Bible college student. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right. So when you say taking Pentateuch class, you're talking, okay. So you, this, this is stuff you're getting, you're getting from your own study and from, from class. Okay, great. So, so listener, you're on the front line of someone who is, I mean, I was in seminary you know, 20 years ago, it seems like, but, but yeah, this is someone who's, who's in Bible college right now. So. Yep. Well, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so anyways, um, yeah, so, so chapter uh, 38, uh, essentially Judah, he realizes who he is and uh, it, it doesn't say, but it, it seems like he starts to think about who he is and, and decides to change some things um, in the background. So anyways, um, so chapter uh, 39 is uh, continues Joseph's story. So Joseph, um, he is, uh, he sold to um, Pontifar which is uh, an officer of Pharaoh, uh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, as it says in, in verse one. Um, and uh, I'll start from verse two. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a su successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. So we're gonna see in this chapter a lot that, that God is with Joseph and Joseph is successful because of God. Um, it's gonna say that quite often. Um, and so that's, that's something that's important to keep in mind. Uh, even when the text isn't talking explicitly about God, it's always important to keep your, in the back of your mind what God is doing through the story. And, uh, you know, by the end, we're going to really understand um, God's purpose in, in, in this story. So verse two, um, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused him, caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Um, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So uh, Pontifer left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Um, so again, the text here is highlighting how important God uh, God is in, in the story and, and, you know, Joseph is succeeding and he's, he's getting, you know, he becomes, um, you know, a sort of high authority, I guess, in this house. And, uh, and this is because of God, essentially God is, God is causing what Joseph does to succeed. Um, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, verse seven. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Um, Remember at this time, Joseph is, uh, he's probably like a, you know, how we would think of a young adult, I guess, pr probably close to my age right now. I'm 20. Um, he was 17 at the beginning. And, and so we're not exactly sure of the timetable, uh, how long this is after, but he's, he's still definitely, he's definitely under 30 because later we're going to see he was 30. So he's, you know, probably early twenties about now I would, I would have to guess, um, so now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. Um, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? When I, when I read this, this is kind of interesting to me just because he's talking about how, how his master, Potiphar, uh, has given him all this, um, you know, given him authority in the house and 
and put him in charge and everything. Yet he doesn't say that the sin would be against Potiphar, which of course it would be, but he, he, he makes the point, he says sin against God. And this reminds me of um, the, the famous uh, Psalm 51, where David says, uh, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He's talking to God. And um, David, of course, had sinned against more people than just God. If you, know, if you think about it, he, he committed adultery with uh, Bathsheba. So he sinned against her. And then he had Uriah murdered. So obviously sinned against him. Right. Um, but, but, but both these characters, Joseph and David, kind of recognize that any sin is ultimately against God. Because, um, you know, when you sin against somebody else, you're sinning against them. But that person is, is, is made by God, is created in the image of God. And so any, any sin you do, any, any wrong thing you do, uh, is, is really ultimately against God. Because you're, you're doing it against God's creation. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of an important thing we see uh, right here that, that Joseph seems to acknowledge. Um, so verse 10, and as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were, uh, was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Um, this really quick just reminds me of what Paul commands us to do, uh, flee from sexual immorality. Joseph, you know, he literally fled the house uh, when, when she grabbed him. So um, verse 13, and as soon as she's. Uh, I pause you real quick, Joe. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Do, do you, do you think, cause you I mean, you're a young guy. And mm -hmm. so when I, I, I once encountered this story when I was a, you know, around your age, I was in college and uh, what do you think about him being alone in the house with her? Are you are you okay with that, or are you? What do you think the text is telling us here? Do you think there's anything else going on? Yeah, well, I think I think there's definitely you know a lesson to be learned with what you just said. That um, you know it's it's probably not a good idea to be alone with uh, a woman that's not your wife, uh, especially if she's the wife of somebody else, and especially if she <laughs> you know she's trying to. Uh, have at you, you know, yeah. yeah yeah exactly so yeah i definitely think there's there's a lot of lessons to be learned and um, i mean the, and, the text the text seems to say that okay i'm reading niv here it says one day he went mm -hmm. to the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside okay so given the fact that he was the kind of manager that he was i'm sure there was it makes sense to me though the text does not say it makes sense to me that joseph probably knew what was going on in that house at all times, mm -hmm. he would be able to tell real quick if all the other guys were in there or not. And yeah, it almost absolutely. sounds like Joseph made that intentional call. I'm going to go about my business and maybe she won't come around. I don't know, but no one else is. It's just, it's almost like a wisdom. We, we can't use this. I don't think Joe to really go after Joseph and say, what an idiot, you know, he did mm -hmm. something wrong. He didn't do anything wrong, but it, in terms of like being wise, Mm -hmm. I think that as a young guy, I think how, how it was used to me, uh, I remember hearing whoever the, the speaker was said, you know, there's something about being wise and where we go. Like at the time, the internet was starting to be a thing. It's like, you can go on the internet, guys, but where are you going to go on the internet? So are you, are you intentionally having accountability? I mean, is there something going on here? And especially regards to sex and, and the sexual temptations, are you was Joseph wise in putting himself in that intentionally awkward spot? Mm -hmm. Or even if he did, I, I just remember that always standing out to me as a younger guy. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people, I mean, pretty much probably everybody on the planet is, is really like that, where, you know, sometimes, um, you know, maybe Joseph, in, in a sense, you know, uh, I don't want to say did it on purpose, but, um, you know, sometimes people will let the They'll, they'll, they'll sort of let temptation come and uh, they'll say, you know, like, I'll, I'll sort of give it a chance to come, but I won't, I won't give in. And Joseph here doesn't give in. Right. Um, but but yeah, he responds you, know, well. you, you made a yeah. great point. He fled. I mean, he literally, yeah. was what Paul will later command. Yep. But yeah, it's, you know, I think some of our listeners, especially our younger listeners who might be listening to this, okay, yeah, well, I can, I can play with fate here. Well, play with fire. Like, well, I mean, this mm-hmm. was, this may not have been the best move Joseph made to go into the house that day, knowing yeah. what, what he most likely knew. And yeah. it's a, yeah, he did respond well, but, but we're not saying he sinned, but was he wise? And that that's, that's something I think it might be really good for our younger listeners to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I had, I won't say, uh, I won't give any hint to who it is, but somebody um, that I know pretty well yesterday had, uh, had asked me what to do because they're struggling with um, th- that that p word. I don't know exactly what what I could say because uh, I know on some platforms certain words are banned, so I don't know exactly what words I can and can't say on here. But um, you know that 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 p word that uh, a lot of young guys struggle with, and and a lot of young women too, and and even you know older folk um, on the internet. And uh, you know he had asked me. Uh, he asked for some advice and, and I told him essentially um, one of the things I told him is, and I would tell this to anybody else who, who has social media and, and that kind of thing and is struggling with this is to, to unfollow any account that would, would attempt you and, and, and just do your best to avoid seeing anything, anything that will tempt you because especially, I mean, uh, you could kind of do this as a, as a social or not a social experiment, but just an experiment is if, if you make a new Instagram account, um, and probably same with other social medias. Uh, if you look at the sort of things they recommend you, a lot of it's going to be like women in bikinis and that kind of thing. And so uh, they they really try to push that on you. Um, TikTok also does similar things, I believe. Although I don't I don't have TikTok, so I can't say for sure. But um, but yeah, I I just told him you know unfollow any any of those accounts that you follow because I know he follows uh, this person follows some accounts um, that he shouldn't. And so I, I told him just, you know, unfollow, unfollow any account that, that posts stuff that will, that will cause you to stumble and, um, and do your best to avoid it. You know, I, if you have to delete Instagram, I had a friend who deleted uh, all social media because, you know, this, it, this was such a problem. So um, yeah, exactly. And this is, you know, like you saying, you know, I don't know if, if it's just Joseph being young and, and kind of naive or, or what, but, you know, this was certainly a, uh, one of those places where he kind of walked into temptation, so to say. I mean, you could also make the same argument, Joe, that the the, the young naive dreamer was telling telling everyone. Yeah, absolutely. That, was that the wisest move, Joseph? I mean, that there might be some lessons to learn here about wisdom. Just because you can do something, you know, you might not, you shouldn't do something, or you should mm-hmm. be more careful, or be. There's something to say about wisdom and and, and the intentional choices that we do make. And yeah, he responded well. He didn't. We're not saying he sinned here, but it just wisdom wise, you know. I think if, uh, for a young person hearing this, I think that could be a great blessing. Again, just to, uh, is this wise? Is this the best decision to make? And I think Joseph, the younger Joseph, illustrates that. I think. Yeah, absolutely, Joel. How long do we have have here today? Just because. I I would say you're 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 obviously keep going. You're you're okay you're, you're okay because. 
I've got a lot, I've got a lot. And I, I just wanted to know if I'll be able to get through all of it or if I should skip some, but I guess just let me know if we're getting a little too long and I'll try to make the rest of it brief. Um, so anyways, uh, so he, he flee, he flees the house and, um, essentially what happens is she, she has his cloak. If you remember, she has his cloak and she, uh, she tells, you know, when, when the, the other, um, the other servants come back into the house, um, it says she called to the men of her household and said to them, verse 14, uh, see, uh, he, Joseph, or excuse me, he, Pontifer, has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. So she basically, you know, accuses him of, of um, you know, lying with her uh, non-consensually. And um, obviously he didn't do that. We know from the text he didn't do that, but but pretty much everybody believes her because uh, she's she's you know, she's the wife of the, of Pontifer. So, you know, she's, she probably has some sort of authority over uh, these other people. And um, anyways, she, she later waits to tell her husband Pontifer and she tells him and Pontifer of course is angry and uh, has Joseph thrown in prison. Um, although, you know, Joseph, he's thrown in prison for something he didn't do. Uh, again, another connection between Joseph and, and somebody else in the Bible, uh, you know, being punished for something they didn't do. Um, but uh, verse, um, we'll, we'll do verse 20 to the end of the chapter really quick. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison of the prison uh, paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord made it succeed. So again, here Joseph, you know, he was sort of in charge of the household, uh, and and he's thrown into prison. But but still, there God is God is with him. God is you know, uh, showing him steadfast love and and essentially God causes Joseph to, to be in charge of, you know, some of the prisoners. Um, so, um, uh, the question, which, you know, we'll, we'll be able to answer soon is, well, if God is, is causing, you know, Joseph to be successful in the household and then in prison, why did God, you know, cause Joseph to, to go to prison in the first place? And so we're going to see that right now in, uh, in chapter 40, um, this is, this is where the dreams come up again. Uh, Basically, what happens is that the cupbearer, cupbearer, and the baker of, of the king of Pharaoh um, get in trouble. We don't know exactly what they do, but but it says Pharaoh was angry with the two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and they go to prison. Uh, and and so, verse five says, and one night they both dreamed the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, each with his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. With, uh, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officer, who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces face downcast today? And they said to him, we have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph says to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So here, Joseph is going to sort of act like a, a prophet in a sense. He, he you know, admits that, that um, interpretations of dreams come from God. And um, as, I, as I said earlier, 
at least from what I've heard uh, a lot in, in um, like modern times, I guess, is uh, not that this happens often because people definitely take uh, some of this stuff too far, but um, it, I've heard a lot about Muslims in the Middle East having dreams and uh, a lot of the stories I hear and also people like Nabil Qureshi, uh, as he talks about in, in his book, um, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, that he had a dream, uh, at least a few, I think, and and he ironically had his mother, uh, you know, who's not a Christian, and 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 um, I don't know if she ever became a Christian or not or or what, but at this time, at least in the book, she's still a Muslim. Uh, Nabil Qureshi is a Muslim turned, uh, you know, converted to Christianity. For anyone who doesn't know, he he died of stomach cancer a few years ago, but his book, um, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, one of the best books I've ever read, highly would would highly recommend it. Uh, but uh, his his mother interprets the dream for him using a, a a Muslim interpretation book, and so you know he writes about how God how God used uh, this this book in order to have his dream interpreted. And I also know from a, a story that I've I've heard while working um, of of a uh, similar uh, a woman who was from Lebanon who her and her husband had um, converted from Islam to Christianity that somebody in their neighborhood had a dream of a of a a shining figure and they had no idea what this was about and her husband who's who's a pastor now was able to explain to him who who this shine, shining figure is this like figure made of light in his dream dream is and it of course is christ and and if you look it up there's a lot of people having similar dreams like that of like a figure in light so um very interesting and yeah it might be a point here where if you know if you do believe you have a dream from god which again i want to say is very rare to happen. I think people can take, uh, you know, think that any dream they have could be from God. And so you have to be very careful with stuff like that. But um, it, it seems that most of the time you should have somebody else, you know, check your dream and, and, and try to interpret it for you instead of you trying to guess at what it is and, you know, have it tested like Paul, you know, says to test prophecies and such. So and, and um, we, the good news is Joseph didn't have this, but we do. We we have the Bible. We we yeah, absolutely. We know what what has God already revealed to us? Does uh, is, is this fly with Scripture? Is it, we mm -hmm. we have we have a concrete standard to be able to? Yeah. But what ha what happens with Joe? Maybe what we can do, uh, Mr. Kangaroo. What we, what we can do is why don't we find out what happens to Joe? And let's then maybe let's just uh, Joseph. Excuse me. Let's land the plane. Um, so what happens, maybe does he stay in prison? What happens with these dreams? Because a second set of dreams. And then maybe we can just, uh, we can, we can set ourselves up for a part two next okay. uh, but, or in the, in the coming, in the coming time, but maybe we can land the plan on what we can learn from this big first section of Joseph's life. But yeah, what, absolutely. First of all, what happens with Joseph here? Absolutely. So, um, so essentially what happens is, is, is they tell him, uh, the dreams they had and, um, for the for the cupbearer, Joseph interprets the dream and he says, you know, in, in three days, um, let me see if I can find exactly where it is. Uh, in three days, um, Pharaoh will lift you uh, lift up your head and restore you to your office and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as uh, formerly when you were his cupbearer. And, and he asks, um, he asks him, you know, when this happens, remember me. Uh, and and remember me and and tell pharaoh what i did and how i was kind and everything so that pharaoh can get me out of here because i don't deserve to be here um and and he he ends up 
once he's there, he forgets, as we'll see, he forgets about Joseph. So that doesn't happen. But um, I just imagine that the, the baker now, the baker hears this interpretation of, of the cupbearer's dream. And he says, wow, he's going to be restored. You know, he's, he's going to go back to just where he was. You know, I, I can't wait to hear what mine is about. And, and when, when Joseph interprets his dream, uh, it's, it's similar in three days. Uh, Joseph says, in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you. Right. So he, he says he's going to lift up your head, but it's going to be from you as in your head's going to be gone uh, and, and Pharaoh will hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. So, of course, three days later, yummy. which happened. What's up? I said yummy. Yeah. Right. So uh, three days later, uh, which happens to be Pharaoh's birthday, Pharaoh has this feast and um, and invites both of them out of prison. And the cupbearer, cupbearer he restores to his position and the. Um, the baker's is, is killed. So he's hung. So, um, yeah, Joseph, Joseph, you know, his, his, uh, interpretation of God's, uh, of God's dreams that he gave them, which is sort of like a prophecy. And we'll see one prophecy later of, jo of Joseph at the very end of, of Genesis. Um, he's, he, yeah, he sort of acts like a prophet here a little bit. So, um, you want me to keep going a little bit more or should be, should be landed here? Well, why don't we, uh, I, I like verse 23 here, and mm -hmm. it kind of sets us up for a tension that we can maybe resolve next week. Okay. Uh, next Absolutely. session. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Mm -hmm. Duh. Duh. What, what a time for a cliffhanger to, to, to end here. True, so, true. So, so, Kangaroo, what would you say about if you were going to land the plane here, so our, our, for our listeners to understand, what, what can we now take from this first major section of Joseph's life? Yeah, so I think um, without, you know, knowing the big picture yet, uh, so I'll save the sort of big picture um, um, message or, or moral of the story to the end. But for right now, we could definitely see, as, as was highlighted uh, in chapter 39, especially that, um, and shown in, in 40, is that uh, even though Joseph is, is going through injustice and, and sort of in trials and such, um, you know, he was, he was sold into slavery and then he was, he was falsely accused and put in prison. Um, he's, he still is faithful to God. you know, uh, he still is, you know, it, it seems like he's doing his best to, to, to be faithful to God really. And, and God is faithful back to him. God is, um, causing him to succeed. And, uh, and as, uh, chapter 39 verse uh 21 says but the lord was with joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison so i i think yeah i think the main the main point of the story so far at least you know specifically with joseph is um it, it's it's and this i guess will be a cliffhanger a little bit too but it's it's you know relates back to what uh what paul says in romans eight twenty eight. Uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good yeah. for those who are called according to his purpose. And, and so God is with Joseph and we don't quite know yet how these things are going to work out for good, but, um, Joseph seems to be, be trusting in God, um, having some sort of, uh, feeling of that promise that Paul expresses in Romans. And, um, I, I think that's pretty much, pretty much the main thing, you know, when you, when you don't know what's going on and, and you seem to be suffering and bad things are happening to you, it's good to know that, uh, that isn't necessarily because of something that you've done as we, as you know, is seen in Job and, um, yeah, just to trust God through, through all of it and trust that he's doing good. Right. And one of the blessings I see here 
is what we get in Joseph's story, we don't get in Esther's story. In Esther's story, yes, God is obviously with her because he's, but he's working more providentially through just the ordinary events of life where we, where, where God's not really mentioned, but, but Esther will have this moment and she alone will please the king and she alone is chosen and she makes all the cuts and, and now she has the king's favor and all these things mm-hmm. and everything seems to work out. God is obviously with her, but mm-hmm. the, the text never brings God's name into it. Mm-hmm. Here in Joseph's story, God's all over this. And so in, in both cases, we don't know if, if Esther was trusting God or not. The text doesn't quite tell us. But here we have uh, Joseph seeming to, to definitely, you know, God is, on, is not on the back burner. He's on the front burner. You know, when, when given the opportunity, he brings up God's name. I'm not going to sin against God. God's the one that reveals the dream. And that he seems to always have God on his mind. And so this might be a time where if Joseph's going to continue to be a great person of faith, again, we won't give any spoilers, but if he's going to have a great perspective on life, and on, you know, the events of his life, he's already showing it right now that God is the one who's kind of directing his play. And, and God is the one who is the one who is faithful. And God is the one that matters. And God is, is I guess, in his audience. And if Joseph's, if, if all the world's a stage and we're about the players, as it's sometimes said, and Joseph's the one on stage, it looks like God's in the audience. And Joseph cares about what God thinks. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something really big we can take away. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Esther is, is very similar. They're, they're sort of parallel stories almost in some ways. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, definitely agree. I, I, I also think, you know, just to say it one more time, it, just, just because the, the, this is just the, kind of like part one of this journey, there's something to be said about making wise choices and there, 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 there's, some, there's really something to be said about, you know, if you, you, especially if you study the Proverbs, you learn about there's really two paths up there. And they're both given these anthropomorphic women, you know, ma, you know Madam Wisdom and Lady Folly. You're either going to choose mm-hmm. folly or wisdom, one of the two. And, but sometimes the wise choice isn't always made, but you can still make a good choice after that. And it looks like even though Joseph might have made some choices that aren't, maybe weren't the best choices to make, when he was intentional about it, he, he, he made good choices. And he, he seemed to really trust God and he seems to care about what God thinks. And I know there's so many of us who are even might even be listening to this. And you, you may say, well, I care about what God thinks, but do you really, and do you really live? It's a, you know, the first Corinthians 10 31, you know, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Does that describe you? I would say at this point that describes Joseph and that Joseph cares about glorifying God. And even though his life sucks and his life is really, he's had a hard life right now. I mean, my goodness, he seems to, to see his, his life is in God's hands and, and that God is the one who's driving the train or so there's something going on here with Joseph and his faith that I'm hoping in part two, we're going to hear more about because that's the great tension of the story. The great tension was resolved in, in chapter one of Job. Where his wife said, yeah, life, your life does suck. Curse God and die. And, and Job wouldn't do it. Well, we're not hearing Joseph cursing God either. Mm-hmm. When many lesser people might have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, that's clearly shown, you know, it's not just something you say, it's something you do. And that's shown. And, you know, when, when Pontifer's wife um, 
you know, get some alone or, you know, in that, in that scene that we talked a lot about, uh, you know, Joseph could have forgotten God. He could have cursed God and, and, you know, just, you know, all this bad stuff's happened to me, forget God, you know? And, and I think a lot of people uh, sort of think that way, but no one said, you know, he's, he's a slave. Um, but, but even all this stuff, bad stuff's happened. He still chooses to, to honor God and to, you know, to flee. So. All right. Well, we look forward to part two next time. This has been Masterclass Theology. As always, I am Big Rev. And I'm the kangaroo. Awesome. Have a good day and God bless. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode. And I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.